Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, Jo Owens on her debut novel, A Funny Kind of Paradise, that's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host, Dan McPeak. In the last year or so, there have been a f- more than a few books that have had pandemic-related themes or plot lines. Emma Donahue comes to mind. She's had her new novel uh, during the... 1918 pandemic and I had a chance to interview her about it uh, back in August there's another new book out that's not necessarily set during a pandemic um, but it it's definitely a, a timely release and that's a funny kind of paradise by Joe Owens. Joe is a Victoria resident who has spent the last 20 years working as a care aide, which gives her a very unique insight into all that has been happening in the pandemic in the past year. But Joe's also had dreams to be a writer. She wrote a memoir many, many years ago, and she has spent the last decade plus crafting her debut, A Funny Kind of Paradise, which was released on March the 9th. And like so many writers, especially when they write their first piece, They write what they know, what is close to home. And so, because Joe is a care aide, she sets the book in that environment, in the environment of a care home. The book was released on March 9th, And this is my conversation with Joe Owens. Joe Owens, hello. How's it going? Excellent. Thank you for asking me. It's uh, nice to speak with a a fellow Victorian, Victoriate, whatever we we call ourselves. Oh, you're from Victoria? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Oak Bay right now. Oh, okay. Nice. Thank you for, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I grew up here and found myself back uh, because of the pandemic. So here we are, <laughs> right? <laughs> what can you do? Can you do? Um, so I sh- I should say, you know, for first off, congratulations. You've uh, you've got your book, uh, a, a funny kind of paradise, and this is your debut novel. 
how does it feel to be referred to as a novelist? Um, it feels surreal. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. I, I've written a memoir before, but this is nothing like it's completely different feeling. And that was many, many years ago. You know, and, and I know you've, you've spent, you know, uh, I think about 20 years I read working in, in the healthcare sector. And mm -hmm. I've talked with a few people about how during this last year, writing was kind of something that they turned to to help cope and to help pass the time. W would you say that's how this book started for you? No, no, not at all. I've been working on this book for a long, long time. I started working as a carry 20 years ago, and really I wrote this book for 10 years. And then it took another two to edit it. Also, as a carry, of course, I didn't, I didn't lose my job. I kept going to work. Of course, we're affected by the pandemic in a different way because work became more stressful. We're worried about our residents and our own health and also incorporating the changes that had to be had to be made in order to, to keep the residents safe all that was challenging but i i haven't i haven't had those gaps of time that other people have had you know when i ever talk to writers it's always interesting to to see how much of themselves go in you know go into their characters how how much of you uh is is in your characters either either you know uh let's say francesca for example so with regard to the residents that i wrote about and in particular francesca because she is the protagonist those characters are all composite characters of the people that i worked with as for the carries i would say every single one of them is a little package of who I am. It was fun to create them and it was it was fun to slice myself up and create different characters. They're composite characters too, made up of the people that I worked with, but I would say that way more a part of me went into each one of those characters. You know, you you, you mentioned you, you, you wrote a memoir years ago. How would you compare writing your life story to writing a story about somebody else, a, a made-up story? So when I started working at the hospital, I had to sign a confidentiality agreement, of course. So writing a memoir wasn't an option this time. It forced me to explore a new a new genre. And for that, I'm really grateful because you're exactly right. It's completely different. It was fun to, I knew what I wanted to do. And it was fun to create a character that might do that. And I ha I love to read. I've often read about writers who felt that their characters took over and did things that they didn't anticipate, the author didn't anticipate. It was really thrilling to experience that myself, to see Francesca behaving in ways that I created her, but I didn't expect her to behave that way. That was fun. Are you a writer too? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do. I mean, ma mainly, I know you're a film producer, but yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, most of my writing is for for films, um, like like short films and stuff. I've been doing a lot of poetry lately, but that's yeah. I I, I do sort of more for the 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 cinematic medium, although I do have some some book ideas probably tucked away somewhere. You know, we'll 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 see when they come out, but uh, yeah. 
So is, do you find that too, that your characters will carry away from you and go off it, living their own life? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it, it's interesting you say that because yes, I mean, I, you know, I all have, I always have an idea of like, you know, okay, I want the story to be about this or about this character, you know, um, and then, and then you start writing and it's just like, well, this whole sort of idea kind of took a left turn, right? But it was very organic. So let's, let's just go with it. It wasn't even, it wasn't even necessarily the character it was, you know, this story, like maybe, you know, something happened between these two characters and then they're like, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to zig instead of zag. Right. So it's, uh, it, it, it really depends. And it's kind of fun when that happens, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I always, I always try to let the, the characters dictate the story rather than myself, I, I would say. Yeah. You know, you, you, you mentioned this took you 10 years to write and, and, and another two years to edit. Do you, mm -hmm. full-time job aside, do you have a, a specific process that you adhere to when, when it comes to writing in terms of, okay, you know, I'm going to write this much a day or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to edit as I go or edit the whole thing. How, how would you, you, you structure that? I think I would be a more prolific artist if I if I did write that way, but I put many things first and I don't regret it. For a long time, I had my mom living down the hall from me. I'm married. I have two children. I work full time. I also have to take care of myself. I can't slide into depression. I have to I have to eat right. I have to sleep right. I have to exercise. All those things take time and I didn't put my art first. Can I, can I, it, it even sounds pretentious to say my art. I don't really feel like that about it. I feel compelled to do this, but I don't, I don't feel like I have to, I don't feel like I have to be writing all the time. It, it doesn't, it doesn't kill me if I, if I don't write all the time. Consequently, it took, you know, 10 years to write that book. I don't care. My goal was to write a book that I liked every decade and so far so good. <laughs> um, you know, there's, I've talked with a, a couple of authors who have written sort of books that have been novels that have uh, been set during some sort of pandemic or, 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 or public health crisis. Um, obviously you started your book way before the, the, this ever happened, but what what do you make of the fact of of it's coming out when it is dur during sort of all of this experience that we're living through g given the book's subject matter that was totally un unanticipated and and it certainly has sparked an interest in my book that would never have been there before flat out i i hope that i've written a really good book that people can enjoy regardless of the pandemic. I had something else going for me, which is demographic. I mean, we have a silver haired tsunami happening here. A lot of people are aging. A lot of people are putting their parents in care or experiencing planning what their future aging might look like. The subject is timely, but with regard to a pandemic, I, it, I never, it never occurred to me. I read station 11 and just loved it. Did you? 
I haven't. I have not read Station Eleven yet, although I think I probably have a copy of it somewhere. Book list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a bunch of our books are in storage right now, but I'll, 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 when, once that all gets dealt with, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll dig it out. Um. You know, carrades have been on the, I guess, forefront of of the pandemic ever since it started. You know, whether it's in yeah. hospitals or or, or long term care homes, and sort of how how we treat our medical professionals. Um, I I guess you know, and and, and this this idea of you know a, a, a essential worker, and you're in a, you're. In a, in a unique position of being both a, a writer, an artist, and a, 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 an essential worker. What what do you make of the conversation that is happening around care aides and, and those in that profession? At some point, this conversation had to be had. So most, okay. Bad situations make news, right? But most of the carries that I know do that job because they have a vocation to do it. They, it's not, it, it's not the kind of job you can really do without that kind of vocation. You need a vocation. And they want to do a good job. But if you constantly make someone work without the tools necessary for the job, eventually they get blunted, right? They can't do as good a job. And the boomers are coming and they're not going to put up with it. And where I work is such a great place. We have adequate staffing, but I have talked to carries whose workload is almost double. And I wrote a conversation into the book where one of the carries says, well, how do you work under those conditions? Do you, what, what do you do? And she said, well, we cut corners. And the carried said, well, teeth because that's always the first to go. Yeah, we try to brush them every second day. That's not okay. So as people are talking about this, I can't help a little part of me is doing the happy dance. It's time. Let, let's talk about it. I don't believe that just because you're old or in care, you deserve to have wine with your meal and your the, your fingers manicured and the, whatever I don't believe that you should you should have luxury but everyone deserves to be treated decently is that fair yeah I think I think everyone deserves to be treated with respect and everyone deserves to be treated gently and you can't treat someone gently if you're you know if you have too much on your plate and somebody else is ringing the bell and ah, you know Let's go. And that's especially especially with people with dementia who don't understand what you're doing. You start rushing them. They just get agitated and you complicate your problem. Now, now you've got someone who's also vibrating. You, you need to be calm. You need to be relaxed. You need to be gentle. You need to slow your voice down. And how do you do that when six other people are running down the hall? You know, you, you, you mentioned dementia and in regards mm -hmm. to, I guess, health issues that affect older, the older population. Um, mm -hmm. Your book was compared a lot to uh, Still Alice, uh, that, that great novel, and of course it turned into an Oscar-winning movie with, uh, with, with Julianne Moore. And this is right off the, 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 the um, Random House website. What, what do you make of, of, of that comparison? 
I really love that book still, Alice. I thought that she did such an exemplary, exemplary job of the problem of having dementia and, and, and wanting to have control, wanting to be able to choose how the end is going to be written. If, if you remember, the protagonist wanted to be able to kill herself once she'd reached a certain stage. And she'd given herself a list of questions. And, and, and when I can't answer these questions, well, of course, she just gave more and more vague answers until that option was no longer available to you. I, I, I don't I don't know how I could compare my book to something that was so well written and so well thought out and also very specific about about a specific disease. Where I work, I have a, a large variety of residents. They're, um, they have dementia, I have, I have uh, head injuries, I have MS, I have, I have minor strokes, major strokes, so many different, so many different, um, so many different cognizant needs, right? Yeah, so comparing those two books, maybe, maybe apples and oranges. You know, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, every sort of five years or so, we see trends in the cer in certain types of stories. You know, for a while there was, and there still is, the biopic of musicians. You know, there was Bohemian Rhapsody. There was uh, Rocketman. You know, we've, there's one about Aretha coming out. Um, Helen Reddy was another one, you know. Even going back to Ray Charles, Johnny Cash, you know, we saw biopics of Neil Armstrong. Do you do you think that because of everything that's happened in, in the last year and a bit that we'll start to see more stories of health professionals, whether it's novels or films or even stage shows? Wow, that's an intriguing thought. Yeah, maybe. I'm also thinking of um, how many have already come out. Um, you know, the lead singer of um, uh, Spirit of the West who had Alzheimer's and the beautiful play that his wife wrote played at the Belfry for, for a run. I'm thinking of, of another play that was at the Belfry also about dementia. I think it's already here. I think it was here before the pandemic. And yes, I agree. It's going to, it's going to increase. I'm also looking forward to the plethora of uh, pandemic pandemic related art that's going to be coming out maybe along the, well, I don't want to say along the same lines as Station Eleven because, you know, that uh, uh, something new will come. Artists are artists are great at that, at creating something different, or at taking something, shifting it, and turning, at turning a new angle. Yeah, I, I yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but good good question. Yeah, you know, many many writers, you know, whether they're writing fiction or nonfiction, do a lot of research into their plots and, and, and their characters and their storylines. What can stories like yours, Station Eleven, uh, e even the play that you mentioned, what can they teach us about these illnesses, these health issues like dementia th that affect elderly that, that we know so little about? I, I think that's what art is all about to begin with. Art is all about helping someone to put on another pair of shoes, helping someone to experience something that they haven't. 
in my in my novel, I I I would love if if it helped people to have more empathy for those that live and work in care. Yeah, I think that's what art is for. It's for making us feel it's for making us feel connected with the rest of the human race one way or another. And however that's done, even if it's through science fiction, that's where the gold is. You know, the, it, you, you have a great title uh, of a of, of, of funny kind of paradise, you know, and, and paradise is, the, you know, it's a very old trope in writing, you know, going back to Paradise Lost, you know, even something like Robinson Crusoe, you know, as an example. Do you have an idea of what paradise means to you? Hmm. That's funny. I'm thinking about a quote that I copied from a book that I read a long time ago where they were talking about paradise is the place where there is no striving, where there is no trouble. And, and the end of the quote was the greatest glory of man will be found on this, on this earth where, where your achievement means something, whereas paradise, everything's bliss. And so there is no striving. I guess I don't really believe in uh, a Miltonian paradise or a biblical paradise. And I also kind of believe that this is a quote from my son. Happiness is just the moment before I need more happiness. But I'm a big fan of happiness just the same. And I think for us, paradise is found in the fingernails and the slivers of your life. Tiny little bits where you just... Um, where you notice that that you that that you're in such contentment and such peace that that's that's your paradise right there. Um, the title of the book came from from a completely different meaning of paradise. Two of the curates were talking. One of them was working in a facility where the staffing was so poor, and she felt run off her feet. and And she said, "Working at this other place is paradise." And my protagonist, Francesca, thinks, well, this is a funny kind of paradise. But where you are loved and cared for is paradise. So that was the reference that I I meant to evoke when I used that title. You know, given how demanding and often thankless a job like a carried can be, um, you know, how do you, how where where would you say the happiness lies in a job like the one you have or or how like like we see in 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 the book that's such an easy question an easy question there's my people are so easy to love they're so easy to love not all of them yeah okay and it, i try to love them all and sometimes they're human right so they could be annoying same as we can be annoying to them but so many so so many lovely stories okay i'm gonna tell you my favorite story okay dan yeah so my residents will often say oh there's a place in heaven for you and you know thank you i hear that a lot i was looking after a lady i was and she was a very devout christian and i was giving her a good wash and she said that to me she said she said 
you know, you know what, you know what's going to happen when you get to heaven? And I, I was expecting her to give me a lovely compliment. And I said, no, what? And she said, you're going to get a hold of God and give him a real good wash. I just laughed my ass off. And she was so pleased. She, she, she was so pleased. She gave me, you know, she got me, right? That's what's rewarding about the job. That's what fun. Those kind of things happen all the time. And we savor them. You know, artists and, and particularly writers, I think, are very good at observing people, people watching. You know, we, at least for me, I always take, you know, slices of of characters from, from real life people that I know. Be, being in, in the job that you are and being surrounded by all different types of people like you said the devout christian you might you know you might have some that are not given that we're in the pacific northwest you have you know you have maybe cancers or you have dementia or you know a, a whole hearth of, of health issues how how does being surrounded by all these different types of people breed creativity You know, Dan, if you're going to be creative, you're going to be creative. You're going to be creative where you are. I don't. I, I think if you have that drive that no matter where you are, what you do, it's going to be there. When I started working 20 years ago, I started making notes just because I am that person. And I, I started collecting stories and writing about, I'm always going to be writing about what's going on around me, right? Yeah. Wherever you are, I think I think I think you could be digging a ditch, and if if you have that drive to be creative, it's gonna it's gonna come out in some way. And I don't know why some people have it and some people don't, but I know I do, and it's my job to respect that, right? You do, you have it too. Yeah, I I, I don't think you could stop being creative anymore, and you could cut off your right hand, could you? Yeah, right, right. You know, and I, I know in in your youth, you, you spent a lot of time traveling, um, both in Canada uh, and abroad. I know you went to like Malaysia, you've been to the Haida Gwaii. Mm -hmm. what, what, what does that do for, for the creative experience? Same answer. Like a magpie collecting pretty things, you look at your life and you take all those things, whether they're pretty or not, and, and collect them. I don't want to let go of those things. I want to, I want to collect them. I don't, I'm not, I don't want stuff, but I like to remember the things that happened, the people that I saw and the different experiences that I had. I'm glad that I've been living here 20 years and that this has been my focus. I didn't get bored. I don't feel the need to be a traveler and explorer and see something different all the time. Although I collected experiences, there's something to be said for a deep focus too. So maybe balance, hey? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Do you wanna travel? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've had some great travel experiences, but you know, I was also in school forever and, you know, I was just like, let me just go somewhere. So, I mean, it, it's not, 
the bug's not there all the time, you know, but right. it, it, it is there a fair bit of the time. Um, yeah. I, I really like when you said balance because on, on your, on your site, you describe yourself as having a casserole life, which I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I really like that term. How, how, how would you describe it and, and how hard for you was it to find that, what we call the, the, the work-life balance? Dan, honestly, it was the hardest ever. I think I'm a greedy guts. I want everything. I wanted to have time for my mom, time for my house. I don't like to live in a filthy house. Like I said, I need to work out. And, and sometimes I want to do that too much because excess, right? Nothing like excess. I have more books now than I think I could read in a year. And yet... I'll go and buy more. So uh, once, once when my kids were little, I had a friend who was a talented artist, but she simply could not get moving because she suffered from depression. And that was the way my life looked better because yes, I'm greedy, but at least, at least nothing has color. Yes, I'm, I want to eat everything, but at least I have no, you know, the person that has no appetite, that nothing looks delicious, that's worse. So I'm constantly running out of time. I, I'm constantly thinking, oh, I wish I had more time to do X, Y, and Z. It's my job to learn to be more at peace with what I've got, to truly appreciate the moment, and to focus and concentrate on the thing that I'm doing. That's the work in progress. I can't say that I'm good at it, but at least I have the awareness that that's where I need to go. Uh, speaking of a lot of books, do, unless my eyes deceive me, do I see the Canada Reads um, <laughs> se selections behind you there? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, right. I, I haven't had a chance to read all of them, but do you, do you, out of out of the ones that are left, who do you think's gonna win? Oh, who got kicked off today? Uh, I don't know. I know. I know. Tr I know. Trees got kicked off yesterday. Okay. Okay. Um. I. I don't know. I kind of forgot about it today, so I don't know who got kicked off today. Okay. Uh... Okay. Oh, so we've got I... Hench. I think Hench is gonna win. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, because there's a tremendous amount of buzz about it. Why is why is a show like Canada Reads do you think important? That's funny. We were just I was just arguing with my husband about that who said that he just could not bear to watch people discussing books in that way. But he is a curmudgeon, okay? And I said you're missing the point. The point is that this this is a, a show to showcase Canadian authors for crying out loud. You have no idea how hard it is to push back against the culture of the United States to try to make somebody interested in something a Canadian might be writing. Yeah, I think it's super important. I think anything that anything that helps us to look at Canadian writers and support Canadian writers. And, and yeah, just push back a little bit about against the United States that is those books are, or they're showing up in your, especially with artificial intelligence. Okay. They're showing up in your inbox. They're, they're, you're talking about them on TV. Well, we've got some incredible Canadian writers here. 
try, you know, make a little point of picking them. Make uh, a little point of supporting what's happening here. And it was the the midnight bargain that got voted off today, which uh, oh, it was the midnight bargain. Yeah, which I, which, I didn't yeah. I, I didn't even dip in that one yet. That, that doesn't surprise me only because it, it got it got two votes against it yesterday. So I think it's I think it's time was oh, okay. I think okay. it's time was coming. Um, okay, you know so. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we okay. I I'm I'm pulling for I'm pulling for uh, Johnny Appleseed myself. You're right? pulling for Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. So far, so good. But what about? What about Hench and then Butter sort of... Honey. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> they're 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 all good, you know. They're like, all good, right? And and it, you know and, and that that's that's the spirit of the uh, of the competition. Um, well, yeah. It, what do you why why do you think it's important? You know, I because it, it it's 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 actually been shown to not only increase readership. Um, yeah. you know, among, among certain demographics, um, yeah. but each, each book, whether they win or lose the, um, has gone up in, in sales, whether yeah. physical copies mm -hmm. or, or digital copies. So I think, you know, not, not to get too much on the patriotism train because that's always a, a dangerous road to go down. Um, but I, you know, in, in terms of supporting local art, I, I definitely think it's done. It's mm -hmm. done. And also, you know, we see so many debates that get, that can get ugly and tense really, really quickly. And I think mm -hmm. Canada Reads shows us, you know what, look, not every debate has to be angry. That's an excellent point. That's what I would say. And even though this is set up in a win-lose way, that's a gimmick. Really, every book that's on that program is a winner. Yeah. I think they've got, oh my gosh, such a great, such a great lineup this year. Definitely. Yeah. And I, uh, and I, mm. I, I love the, uh, the uh, celebrity champions as well. I think, I think they, they, they picked a good bunch. One other thing that I wanted to ask you about, just because I, I, I saw it on your website and I did something similar. I know you, uh, when you, in your youth, you got to do uh, Canada World Youth. Um, yeah, I did. And I, I, I did. A, did you? I, I, well, I did Katimovic, so I, I didn't do I didn't do Canada okay. World Youth, but I did Katimovic, which is a, a, a very similar um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, program. Ooh what what was that experience like for you and, and and how do you think that helped you become the art the person and the artist you were today yeah Canada World Youth had a huge impact on me in so many different ways first of all I didn't I didn't really find my tribe in Carstairs Alberta where I grew up I never quite found my place it's it, it's it's a small place and I don't really do well in groups which is something I didn't know at the time well of course you know high school is all about groups there it's not about um, being with someone one-on-one -on -one, which by the way is another reason why I really like being a curator is because I get to work with someone one-on-one -on -one and this is easy for me chatting to you Dan that's easy nobody is listening okay we're just going <laughs> to pretend that in Canada World Youth, I found people that were thinking more outside of the box, making more room for a variety of, of thinking, of ways of thinking. 
And we went to um, Red River Reserve in Saskatchewan, where I worked as an assistant teacher in the residential school. That was a profoundly moving experience. And from there, I worked in a home for children with disabilities in Malaysia. So the the idea that I'm going to end up in a job where I'm I'm uh, interacting with people and caring for people and looking after people was implanted fairly early. I then came back to Canada. I ended up doing an English degree, but I have no regrets about the degree because, for one thing, in that day, I didn't end up with the student debt that people have now. I think I might feel differently if I had, you know, $100,000 worth of student debt that I was still trying to pay off. But at the time I was able to do that degree without that amount of debt, I still had debt and it seemed insurmountable, but it wasn't a hundred thousand bucks. Okay. And then, and then when I ended up being a carried because it makes money, all, all those experiences that came from your pet, you know, none of it was wasted. The university degree wasn't wasted. Canada World Youth wasn't wasted. The time I spent in Haida Gwaii wasn't wasted. All of it helped to make me the person that I am. And I feel really blessed at 60 to feel like the person that I am is someone that I want to be. That in itself is just a huge accomplishment. I feel very grateful to be in that position right now, eh? Yeah. You know, speaking of... You went to the Red River Reserve, you went to Haida Kauai, which has a very large yeah. indigenous population, and then you lived for five years in Tuktoyaktuk, which is another uh, indigenous hamlet. And the indigenous populations have very strong and a very unique and special storytelling ability and oral storytelling tradition. As a, a storyteller, even back then, were you able to, to glean anything from your uh, time living in those communities? I would like to be able to say yes, but at that time, oh, this is a good 40 years ago. And at that time, Indigenous people were only beginning to claim their power and to value what they had and to... This last 40 years, a lot of things have changed, and, and I would say for the better, there's still a long way to go, but, but, but Indigenous people are claiming their voice now in a way that, 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 that I, I certainly didn't see. I didn't see people that were excited to tell their story or proud to tell their story. They were still emerging from the drowning. Yeah, I think that's the only way I could put it at this time. Not so much in Haida Gwaii where they, the, the, the people were, uh, were much more powerful and, 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 and I, think, I think because of living in a different part of Canada and having their own, their own area, they had more power, but I didn't run into a lot of really, really good storytellers at that time either. Too bad. I missed out. You, you know, you, you mentioned you, you worked on this book for, for over 10 years. You've written a memoir. 
any any thoughts of writing or, or, or starting your, your next book or, or writing project, whatever whatever that may be? Yeah, I definitely want to be a writer for the rest of my life one way or another. I have things to do. <laughs> do you, you know, it, it, it's always interesting, you know, how, you know, how much writers stay in their comfort zone or, you know, move out of it. Obviously, with, with, with this book, A Funny Kind of Paradise, you stayed very much in your know, in your area. Yeah. Do, can you see yourself maybe writing like a, like a sci-fi adventure tale? Yeah. Or, you know, something, <laughs> so, something that's a complete 180 from, from where you are now? I think that would be super fun yeah i think it would be it would be really a good a good mental exercise and really good for me to move out of my comfort zone whether that's going to happen or not i can't i can't really say that's not what i had planned next the the project that i have planned next i want to do some writing about my mom who's who's passed away on and i need to put that away i need to put i need to put that away i need to I need to do some cathartic writing, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Gonna do how, that first. How 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 would you describe Victoria as, uh, you know, the, the I guess the the artistic sensibilities of this city. You know, it it is it is an older population, but you know we have we have that great bookstore Ivy's. You know, there's there's a lot of older people that are in, in book clubs. Uh, my 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 mom being one of them. How 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 is Victoria and 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 its arts? So one of the things that Victoria, that I, one of the ways that I see Victoria is that it, 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 it can be very boxy. People get into their little box and they don't really connect to all the different parts, all the different, all, all the different climates, all the different cultures and all the different people that live in Victoria. There's a huge variety, but they tend to stay in their little community quite a bit and I am one of the worst for that and it has to do with having time I look on 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 the like go magazine or you know or the posters even read the posters downtown and there are so many exciting things going on there's art art shows in the galleries downtown well there used to be wonderful music all over the place there used to be theater I I love I love going to the theater and went regularly, but as for the other arts, I didn't participate as much as one might think because I'm in my little, I'm in my little life. I'm working, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I think there's a lot more available than like, I've never been to a burlesque show. I totally want to go. There are all kinds of things that are a little bit more, well, that's, there's so many, there's so many things to do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that that for a, a town this size, Victoria has a lot of culture. I guess you're. I guess you were staying in Toronto before, right? Yeah. Well, I was. I was initially in Vancouver for nine years. Then I was okay. in. Uh, then I was in Toronto for close to three, um, mm -hmm. and then I I came back uh, almost a year ago. Uh, just right. Where I'm about two weeks shy of, of being back here a year. Pandemic. Ago pandemic yeah. move yeah yeah <laughs> pandemic move you know it's like all right well i got laid off guess i'm coming back home so here we are but uh yeah you know, it's all right i mean it I'm, is what it is yeah i mean i'm you know i'm not gonna be here forever but okay you know, 
let 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 the vaccines come and then uh you know when, once they come it'll be it'll be off on another adventure i think you know uh, i yeah. mean i've got some got some film plans in toronto and some film plans in the uk so but beyond that you know um who knows who knows i i you know i i sort of alluded to earlier about you know in the conversation that was happening about you know essential workers um you know and how the government had closed a lot of a lot of theaters and a lot of arts organizations um and a lot of people in those communities were appalled that they weren't considered you know top tier members of society as you know as someone who works as as both a carried but is now also in, in in the arts should artists be considered essential workers you see i do i do feel like art is essential but the fact that people gather together kills people and this pandemic hasn't actually been that bad. If you look at, at, at the percentages of people that have died in the pandemics over the years, like the percentage of people that died of Spanish flu, not as many died as of COVID, but the population was smaller. So the percentage of people who died of Spanish flu is greater than the percentage of people that are dying of COVID. How can I say it's not that bad when, I'm, you know, millions of people have died, but, but, you, 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 oh, I mean, goodness, think about the smallpox epidemic on the West Coast and the Indigenous people who lost 50 to 75% of their family. That is an impact that nobody's going to recover from. This is an impact where we're trying to prevent that kind of, sh that kind of thing happening. We're in a situation where we can, where we're trying to keep that from happening. Trying to, so... Artists are essential, but they're making art in different ways. You're doing this. And stand-up comedians are doing podcasts. And The Belfry is doing an, an incredible show that's coming up. It's called um, Being There. Is that what it's called? The, the, about the refugees? The artists, you can't keep artists down. They find a way. They may not find a way to make enough money to be independent because artists never make enough money. But they find a way to be artistic and they find a way to be creative because they can't help themselves. I wish that there was a better way to support art. And I'm grateful for the amount that the government has been able to keep working artists from starving to death so that there might be some left when the pandemic is over. It wasn't enough, but it was sure better than some places. Uh, one other aspect that I wanted to quickly ask you about is I think, because both, I guess, artists and I think those in, in long, you know, that work in long-term care can be afflicted by it. And that's, you know, that's the conversation we're having now around mental health. It was always there and it had always been increasingly talked about but i think the pandemic only um you know uh accelerated that mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that that conversation 
Um, are, do you do you do you think we 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 are doing enough to combat all the different mental health challenges that we're seeing? Not not only that the that the pandemic can bring of of being cooped up in our homes, but just mm-hmm. you know outside of that, you know, food insecurity, financial insecurity, and and the the mental health challenges that can come with with issues like that. To say nothing of global warming. Exactly, right? Yeah. So so speaking of someone who has a really good therapist and I has used that resource for many years now, thank you, God. I think when you live in a world that's as crazy as ours is, being crazy is not necessarily the inappropriate response. As far as doing more for mental health, more is always better. And I don't, I don't think there will ever be enough because it's just so crazy out there. The pandemic has, has had the effect of cracking, cracking things open that were already cracked and shining a spotlight on, on, on problem areas like, like mental health, like extended care, that has been one of the one of the unexpected side effects of this whole this whole crazy show. And if that's a silver lining, we're going to take it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, um, it, you know, I I did think this pandemic exposed a lot of things that were already, you know, that were already starting to happen, but that, you know, I, I think on, only, in, I don't know if enhanced is the right word, but, you know, at least uh, helped further some things that I think were already being trying, you know, trying to be worked on and, 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 and bettered. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would say this, this is always kind of a, a, a tricky, can be a, a tricky question for artists to answer but if there's one thing you want r- readers to, to to take away from a funny kind of paradise is there anything you want them to to to, to take away from it um or should they just enjoy it for what it is <laughs> of course of course of course i want people to enjoy my book and have a good time please have a good time that would make me so happy if if there were if there was if there was a takeaway though it would be if I could increase the empathy for people that live and work and care, that would be, that would be really awesome. And and the other takeaway would be for those that are struggling with putting someone in care. Um, I've been through that myself and the grief and the sorrow and the, and and the shame that I felt when I put my mom in care, it, it nearly crippled me. If I could be, able to ease the burden of anyone that is going through that, that would be really great. I did write this book for myself, for my own self, and I didn't actually expect to publish it. It kind of kind of fluky accident that this happened. But I meant to share it. I meant to share it with my friends and hopefully they would pass it to their friends. And those were the things that I was thinking about. Why? I mean, you got to ask yourself, even if you do have the urge to be creative, you got to ask yourself why you're staying up or getting up early or, you know, why you're doing this instead of 
putting your feet up and watching Netflix or whatever it is that floats your boat. In my case, you know, reading yet another novel. And the motivation to try to, the try to share my experience working in extended care and the motivation to make people think about what that might feel like. Another thing too, Dan, I wanted people to think about about end of life and what might be what might be important about how how you might want your own death to look and 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 how much control you want to have about your own death and um you know before I started when I started writing this book made was still not medically assisted death was still not legal it, it's only been legal for a couple of years and and that 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 idea that I really I really wanted that choice to be available for people. I wanted I wanted to talk about why that choice should be available for people. That was part of that was a big part of what I was thinking as I was writing this book as well. I wanted people to think about I wanted people to know this is this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like and that's why you want to have a choice. And if you don't think that you want that for yourself, that's cool. That's totally cool. But but don't don't say someone else who's suffering shouldn't have the choice to end that suffering. You choose for your own self and let someone else choose. Now, for people with dementia who who can be very happy for a long time, but the end can be pretty awful. I I, I feel no, I see no I see no way around that because that person can't choose and. We can't choose for someone else. So once you've started that ride, you're on it. But for people who can choose, I honestly believe they should have a choice. They should have their they should have their own choice. And I, I wanted people to think about what end of life might look like, even though I believe that life is valuable and your and your 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 spirit in your person as long as you are alive is important, even though. I'm going to treat you to the end of your life as though you can hear me and understand me when I wash you and care for you and love you with the action of looking after you. I want people to think about what they might want for themselves. That was, it's, it's funny that you asked that and it's funny that I'm you know getting all passionate about it because I hadn't really thought about I hadn't really thought about that for some time, but it was definitely on my mind as I was writing the novel. Well, the, the novel is A Funny Kind of Paradise, uh, and I believe its official release date is today. March the That's 9th right. it is now officially, <laughs> officially out. Your debut novel uh, through uh, Penguin Random House and available for online order, ebooks, all the all the all the usual ways of of getting your your literacy uh material Joel, but don't forget your local bookstore your local bookstore yes there's a there's a couple of great ones i'm sure ivy's will have it um yeah. bolin's probably russell's. russell's russell's has copies monroe's monroe's i think all right did did, did we get all of them in <laughs> all, the <laughs> lo- all the local victoria ones plugs there Joe Owens, thank you so much. This is this this was a lot of fun. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm glad I'm glad you did. Well, thank you very much, and uh, stay safe, and uh, you know, 
keep keep on trucking thank you for being the essential worker thank you so much have a good day (laughs) you too bye-bye that was my conversation with care aide and writer joe owens her debut novel a funny kind of paradise was released march 9th that does it for me today if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe to endeavors on apple spotify deezer google radio public wherever you get your podcasts you can follow me on social media at endeavors radio and i promise i will have that patreon page up and running within the next month hopefully anyway thanks for tuning in take care of yourselves bye for now I just like to have a lot of sex. <laughs>